who's led in the worship service up to this point um, because it's weird to come home again. The last time I stood in this pulpit, it was when I was a junior at Albion College. And for those of you who remember me uh, growing up here as a squirrely kid, I'd like you to know that I have grown up and I'm squirrely 55-year-old. <laughs> and a word of counterpoint to my brother's children's time, that is uh, that we used to do jigsaw puzzles on New Year's Eve at home growing up. That was our New Year's Eve celebration. And I was always excited. You know, I was the baby. I was always excited that maybe I would get a chance to put the last puzzle piece in. But I made the mistake in working across a jigsaw puzzle with Forrest of saying that out loud, expressing that hope. And you know that as Big Brother, he was not going to let that happen. So I was. So I'm getting to that part of the story. Don't jump on it. Always with the Big Brother thing. Um, so I thought, okay, I'm going to put that last puzzle piece in. And I was like, yes, I put in the last puzzle. And Forrest pulled back a newspaper that he had put over the corner of one piece and said, nope, I got it. So, <laughs> um, Just a word or two about what it is uh, to come full circle and come home again. Um, I've been uh, ordained in the United Methodist Church for 30 years. I uh, am currently on leave of absence, uh, I'm testing out kind of where God is leading next. And uh, so I've been on leave of absence for the last two and a half years. I live in Lansing. I work at uh, one of the branches of the Capital Area District Libraries, and I do this kind of thing as much as anyone will let me, which is filling in on a pulpit on, on a Sunday morning. Um, so I was honored that Peggy thought to ask me, and, and uh, you know that it's hard for her to ask for help, and, and for her to be able to do that, um, hold her in prayer um, as she recovers, and. Um, comes back to you. Oh yeah, there's a there's another that picture that I'm going to use for the backdrop for the sermon uh, is my son. It wasn't taken last week. <laughs> uh, I think he was either four or five in that picture, and it was taken on a New Year's Eve. Um, my son is now 27. Got married this last summer. Uh, and he and his wife are both serving as United Methodist pastors in the state of Maine. So, um, you know, on Sunday morning when I came to 9 o'clock service, I thought about John going to his, his church, which is in the very Maine sounding community of Bolsters Mills. So <laughs> he drives an hour from where they live up into the mountains to, uh, to preach at his church. And, and Annie, my daughter-in-law, has the church at... Uh, Lewiston, Maine. So. With those things being said, thank you for welcoming me, and I invite you to hear the scripture for today, the gospel lesson from Matthew chapter 2. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, 
and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I also may go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then offering their treasure chests, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Will you pray with me? Lead me, Lord. Lead me in thy righteousness. Make thy way plain before my face. For it is thou, Lord, thou, Lord, only that makest me That picture happened on a New Year's Eve because somewhere along the line in parenting, like you do, you think, I'm going to start some new traditions with the family that I raise. And so that was a time when we were living in Jonesville, and I thought, you know, a New Year's Eve night, you know, and, and with, with small children, you have to have it be midnight sometime else. I noticed that on Facebook the other day, my nephew and his family. Um, who have a, a kindergartner and a preschooler, kindergartner and toddler, were uh, celebrating New Year's Eve, and it was about 8 p.m. And, uh, you know, he said, they even do a countdown for kids. They have a countdown to midnight somewhere. So, kid midnight. Well, anyway, that year at kid midnight, we went out in the yard and we started lighting off morning glory sparklers and enjoyed that. and made that run around, well, you know how it is when you do sparklers, you kind of wonder, what am I supposed to do? And so you, you know, you direct the orchestra and you write your name and, and, you know, that's about it. You do that. 
And I happened to snap that picture, and then I came across this poem, a piece of a poem by Anne Weems in her book, Kneeling in Bethlehem. The church is epiphany. We are the magi searching, resplendent in this world's accoutrements of knowledge and wealth and achievement. But we search for something more. And of all unlikely places in a stable, the deity appears. The borning of our Lord bursts in upon our ordinary lives like fireworks in the snow. Only God would send a little baby king. And we are on our knees where we are within reach of our full personhood. Like fireworks in the snow, surprising, beautiful, God breaks into our lives. God breaks into our lives at Christmas and beyond. And you know, it's Christmas until the 6th of January. It disgusts me when I drive down the street and I see people who have tossed their trees out to the, to the side of the road. I know they put them up, you know, sometime before Thanksgiving. But <laughs> in my house growing up, I, you know, Forrest can correct me if, if my version is right and, you know, his is different. Um, but <laughs> our, our sister has a birthday on the 19th of December. And so the rule was that we didn't get the Christmas tree until after Jan's birthday because our parents wanted Jan to celebrate a birthday. December folks, December birthday folks, can I get a witness? Yeah, you want to have your birthday, not, you know, one big Christmas present. You want to have a birthday present and a Christmas present. So we always got the tree after, after Jan had her birthday. And we would put it up, and so it stayed up until anybody got tired enough of it to take it down, but it wasn't ever the day after Christmas. Well, what cre keeps Christmas new, what makes the new year new, and what keeps Christmas from getting old is the presence of God. The surprising, unexpected presence of God which bursts out in our midst like fireworks in the snow that keeps us paying attention to every day, to every moment with wonder and expectation because God chose to become one of us. There isn't much more vulnerable than a little baby. They're even more susceptible to colds and coughs and flus than, than grown-ups are. And in the midst of political turmoil, in the midst of a crazy world that was as crazy as our world is today, God came as a little baby. And this season that begins with the sixth, the what we celebrate today, the season of Epiphany, is a reminder of the light of God flashing in our midst. And people began to realize who Jesus was. Starting with the Magi, 
those wise ones who saw a strange star and were paying enough attention to say, hey, something's going on here. And so they went to Jerusalem because they thought, well, that's certainly, if there's a new king, that's certainly where the new king is going to be. But that new king wasn't in the places of power. That new king was a little baby in the places without power. In a little town that hardly anybody had heard of, that's where holiness was born. And those wise ones followed a star until they found what they were looking for. And it shone out for them just like fireworks in the snow. But they realized that they'd been changed. Along the way, they had been changed. Their hearts had been changed. Their minds had been changed. Their preconceptions about how God works, about how power works, got changed. And they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, but to go home a different way, by another road. It's a good day to go home another way. And I don't mean geographically. Drive a different route to get back to your house this afternoon. I don't mean go a different way. I mean go a different way and a different way. Changed from an encounter with the living God who comes to us without power and shows us what life really is. Because that, in fact, is what Jesus came to do. To show us what the life of God is. To give us a glimpse of what holiness is, what real life is. And we are invited, like Paul wrote to Timothy, to take hold of the life that really is life. To be changed. To go home a different way, with our minds and our hearts more open. More willing to look at who's around us. And to know that God's love is not just for the group of people who are in this room today, but for the ones we're out on the roads cutting you off in traffic. And the co-workers that you really struggle to like. And the kids that make you shake your head at what this world is coming to, God came for them too. And the love of God is for them too, just like it is for us. It's as surprising as fireworks in the snow. Two Christmases ago, my son and his then-girlfriend, now his wife, came to visit me for, for the Christmas holiday. And so we were kind of trying to establish those traditions. Say, well, what is it you want to do? And John says, I want to do sparklers on New Year's Eve. 
it can be a little bit of a challenge to find sparklers on New Year's Eve <laughs> in Lansing, Michigan. And when we found the store where they sell them, uh, John and I started to get out of the car and Annie said, I'm not going in there. <laughs> That's too sketchy. <laughs> but we found those fireworks. We found, actually they had, to, they had the big fireworks, you know, the booming cannons and all that kind of stuff up front. They had to go in the back to look for sparklers. <laughs> but they found them and we took them home. We stood out in the backyard and lit them off. And the world turned around another time as I saw my son with his life partner. I thought, life is good. But it's not just life is good because we look at old pictures and say, aww. We look at kids dressed up in, in Christmas costumes acting out the story of Jesus like we used to right up here. Life is good because God is in it. Because God has come to us in Jesus Christ to show us, to heal us, to save us. And that presence in the most everyday of everyday things bursts forth like fireworks in the snow. We will share the Lord's Supper today because God does come to us in the everyday things in bread and wine, in a meal that we share. I gotta tell you, the first communion that I remember, my cousin, Vera Mae Grundeman, used to be the communion steward for years and years. And there were two things about communion. We never had grape juice at home, so grape juice was yummy in those tiny little cups. And you would make your tongue go all around so you could get every molecule of grape juice. <laughs> And, and white bread, because we didn't have white bread in my house when I was growing up. And I didn't know that brown bread was really supposed to be better. You know, when that was all you had, you didn't think that it was better. But God comes to us in those simple ways. In a little one, taking communion, liking the taste of the grape juice. And in one who has come hundreds and hundreds of times before, and each time the meaning goes a little deeper, that Christ has come for us, not just to us, but for us, and meets us where we are, and invites us to go home a different way. Because in that holy meal, Jesus took bread and he lifted it to God and he gave thanks and he broke the bread and he gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body 
broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, Jesus took the cup and gave thanks to God and gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so we remember in this meal who God is and why God has come to us and we vow our lives to go forth a different way to love and to serve and to be changed because of who God is let us pray oh God bless the giving of these elements that in the breaking of bread and the sharing of the cup we would know that you are present to us in even the most everyday things help us to receive not because we're worthy to not because we deserve to but because you're God and you choose to give us these gifts And so, we offer ourselves, O God, as you offer yourself to us, through Christ, and in his name, amen. Would those who are serving please come forward as we share together? And you know how you do communion here, so I'm not going to explain it to you.